and welcome back to Sacred Space 102, a Come and See production here on West Limerick 102. My name is Shane Ambrose, delighted to have you back on the second part of the programme. And I'm still joined here in, on the programme today by John Keeley, and we're delighted to welcome to the programme this morning Bishop Brendan Lee. Good morning, Bishop Brendan. How are you keeping? Good morning to Shane. I'm well, thank you. Very good, Bishop. It's delighted to have you on the programme. So we we said we'd have you back on, just to have a, a catch-up. We, we were talking to you a couple of weeks ago in the middle of the whole lockdown. And I suppose as Limerick, and the whole country, but as the diocese, of course, has been kind of part of the rephasing of the phasing of the openings that have been happening, I suppose, uh, just to touch base with you and see how things are going. And I suppose... You know, from your perspective, you know, as as we've we've reopened the churches, I think we're now into our third weekend. I think it is at this stage. From your perspective, I suppose, what would be the do's and don'ts um, that you would you know be, be be kind of expecting of parishes around the diocese? Well, of course, the first, the first do is just let's thank God that we have the chance to be back in churches again. I think a lot of people really missed coming together every Sunday. So the first thing is, it's great that we have this possibility and. Thank God for that. That's definitely a do. Of course, the the main do has to be let's follow the public regulations and advice as best as possible. And I really want to give huge credit to the um, parishes throughout the diocese. Priests and lay people involved really have done a huge amount of work in getting the churches in place, getting everything marked out properly, getting the cleaning facilities, the uh, sanitising facilities worked out, making sure church is cleaned after every mass. That's really wonderful. So I suppose we're just appealing to everybody to really, really follow the directions when they go to church. The stewards are there telling them where to sit and all the rest and to make sure we do that as best as possible. Increasingly, the advice seems to be wear masks. I think the government might even bring that in now looking at the news. So that's really something we might uh, clearly want to do. And um, it's important, I think, because it's not just for ourselves, it's for the people who come to church. We want to be for them as well, careful in what we're doing. So there certainly do's. Um, the don'ts, I suppose, are literally don't be overly afraid of coming to church. Of course, people have rightly to be cautious. If people have underlying conditions, certainly they shouldn't come. We will still be streaming masses. There will still be the possibility of getting mass. Some people are deciding to come and stay in the car park and listen to the ch- if we're, where there are loudspeakers, listen to the mass through the loudspeaker. Some are deciding to go during the week because, of course, uh, the obligation to attend Mass on Sunday has been dispensed, so it is possible to go if you want someday during the week, and um, that that that's a possibility. But you know, don't be overly afraid. I think the, the the conditions are good now in the church; it is safe. I think a lot of people are finding that in coming back. But don't be afraid as well to make suggestions, propose, give ideas. If there are uh, things you notice that you feel this could be done another way or better, by all means, give us those ideas. We have a lot of material put up on our website, our, our Limerick Diocesan website. And uh, again, great credit to people there. We had a webinar a preparation uh, video, which you can get. But we also have a question and answer sheet, which is up on the website. And again, we're delighted if people want to send in a question or whatever that can be um, answered and put up on the website. Maybe other people might have the same question. So they're kind of things, they're points that I think I'd like to mention. OK, no, I think that's 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 fair enough. A um, couple of things, I suppose, uh, 
uh, people have asked us maybe and over over the last couple of weeks, and I said, well, do you know what? Now, when we have the bishop on, we'll ask him these questions. He'd be the right man to answer them. Um, one of the questions that has come up is, what's going to happen with First Holy Communions and confirmations? There was, um, you, you had announced that some would take place during the summer. Has there been any further developments on that front? Yes. At this stage, I think most parishes are are landing as it were because it, it took a bit of time it is taking a bit of time because you have to work out the dynamics in the sense that because of the restriction of numbers in each church the amount of children who could be confirmed or make their first communion at any one time is is quite restricted now um most i think parishes are more or less getting there and i i know a lot of parishes at this stage have the dates settled broadly speaking confirmation is taking place the last two weeks of August, from let's say August the 14th, 15th onwards, we have confirmation ceremonies taking place at um, different days. Some are doing them maybe two or three ceremonies on one day. Some are doing evening ceremonies. I know one particular pastoral unit are going to a large venue, I think uh, the race course or whatever, and thereby able to confirm more children at the one time while keeping within the numbers for outdoor gatherings. So, yeah, the numbers are that the dates are now being fixed. I think that's being communicated to, to families because children, uh, families register their children. And we do have the contact details. So as far as I know, most parishes have, have probably made contact with the families and, uh, as I say, are indicating the dates. What we have then prepared, and this is a good thing, good news story, uh, we are preparing three short videos three for First Holy Communion, three for Confirmation. And the idea will be, we'll be sending them out now in the next week or two, that we would encourage families to get together and together with their son or daughter who is making either the First Communion or Confirmation to look at the video and take it as your preparation. Normally the children will be at school, they'll be up and down to the church, there'd be all that kind of preparation. The priest would be in and out talking to them. That isn't going to happen this time around the same way. So we've come up with this other way of doing it where we'll provide videos, and I'm delighted that our own father, Chris O'Donnell, uh, is one uh, person involved in the videos and two young teachers. And I have seen the first of the videos, I must say that I'm, I'm impressed with them. And um, I think it'll be a lovely thing for the family to get together and watch the video and prepare that way. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. One other thing I think that's come up, um, Bishop Brendan, is the question of open air masses. So particularly, I suppose, out the county, July and August would traditionally have been a time for graveyard masses and, of course, patron days in certain parts of the diocese. What's the situation with those at the moment? Yeah, well, the situation there uh, is complex. I, obviously, Outdoor gatherings are allowed and there's a, a certain number of people are allowed up to, I think, 200 people are allowed gathered together. So, you know, in, here and there I've been asked, could there be an outdoor mass, meaning the ordinary Sunday mass could be held outside the church or whatever. And I, I think that's something that could happen. Of course, Irish weather doesn't lend itself too easily to some of these things. However, I personally have a reservation about the cemetery masses in this sense that the cemetery masses bring together families. And families maybe who haven't always been able to meet, especially now in recent months in the COVID crisis. And also they're coming at a time, you know, it's a poignant moment. They're, amen they're remembering loved ones in the past. And then in some cases, the very recent past, they've had a bereavement 
And then in some cases, it may even have been a difficult bereavement because of the COVID crisis and the, the funeral arrangement and all that. So that there would be a high degree of, um, I suppose, uh, desire to really embrace, uh, uh, be affectionate with one another, rightly so. And I just would have a sense that doing uh, a, a, a grave, having a grave, a graveyard mass, a cemetery mass, there just is a slight risk that, from my point of view, that we'd really let down the guard a little bit during those masses. Personally, I would be inclined to say let's postpone them. The, mm-hmm. the priest can bless, uh, of course, the priest can bless the graves and do that ceremony himself. Clearly, that can happen. But whether or not um, an event should take place with a few hundred people at it in that context, in the context of a bereavement, etc., I just would have a reservation. OK, no, that's 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 fair enough. Um, I suppose one of the other things I suppose just to say, I suppose, and that we should point out to people is that the application of the, the the public regulations, as you said, that's one of the things that we should follow, which is the the fifty limit or whatever it is, the the social distancing and and the cleaning and all that that has to go on in the churches. Um, I suppose it's just to say that each of those things has been adapted, I suppose, for local circumstances, because I know it can be a a, a point of concern that maybe there's variations between parishes and how that's been done, because obviously there's local circumstances. Yes, well, in each case, what I've said is that it's the parish that really has to take responsibility for it. We have two volunteers for every parish, parish church, and they are entrusted with the task of overseeing the arrangements together with the priest for the church. We did provide a webinar um, training session for them. We've also got a question and answer fact sheet, as I've mentioned, and we've resources up on our website. So we've done a lot of work in trying to train people. So um, generally speaking, my sense is that the volunteers are really approaching that with a great sense of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And the stewards, likewise, are volunteering their time and doing it with a great sense of responsibility. But we've all to help each other, naturally. If somebody sees something that could be improved, look, make sure they say it. And that, mm-hmm. that I'm sure, will be taken on board. It's important mm-hmm. to do that. Looking at some of the, the wider issues, I suppose, just around COVID, Bishop Leahy, um, I suppose it was with a bit of concern, I think, that Catholics would have read the news about the, the financial difficulties that the Dublin Archdiocese is going on through at the moment, and with things like having to let go some of their staff and the cuts to the allowances for the clergy. From Limerick's perspective, um, how do we stand Limerick is no different, I think, from, to anybody else. The sheer obvious fact, <laughs> that's that's very mm. clear, is since March the, whatever it is, 12th or 15th, since we ha- no longer had the public celebration of the sacraments in church, the and the churches were actually physically closed until about three weeks ago, literally very, very little money would have come in, although I do want to pay credit to those people who did make donations uh, during that time. And of course, some people made generous donations as well in terms of the Easter Jews. That has happened a bit to some extent. But overall, you would have to say our financial situation has, um, oh yeah, suffered greatly since Mm -hmm. March. There is some recovery going on at the moment, but naturally nothing uh, substantial because those who are coming to church now, in terms of the numbers allowed, come to church for a start. And those actually coming back uh, would be dramatically reduced compared to before COVID. So that's it. That is an issue we're going to have to address. And it's, it's very much on my mind, of course.
Okay. Looking, I suppose, as well at those bigger issues, I suppose one of the things is that we've, we're very much focused, I suppose, on the practical and we're trying to get things reopened. But looking, you know, as we move out of the kind of the, the initial lockdown, I suppose one of the things that people will say is, as a praying community, as a faith community, where 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 is the learning for us as a praying community, as, as a praying community, as we reflect on this process that we're going through? I suppose there's the practical, there's the side of practicalities, but also I suppose the more fundamental things about us as a as a faith community. What what do you think we can learn from from what we have we've gone through in the last couple of months? Well, it's true. As a faith community, we all we believe God is present in all circumstances, all circumstances. So there is something God draws good out of everything. And I think in this particular case, perhaps we're still a bit too near it to read it. But I think uh, a few obvious things strike me. Number one, it's put the culture in at large, I suppose, before very deep questions about life, about mortality. We, we've all known somebody perhaps who has been taken away prematurely by this virus and that's given us a jolt um, we all have been very aware of the fact that it could hit any of us and that too has I suppose spiritually impacted on people probably in a way that might not be immediately easily diagnosed but I suspect it's deep and that is it is in people but moving on from that I, I think we saw some developments we saw clearly a greater sense in many cases of families coming together for moments of prayer. Some families established little um, sacred spaces in their house. Certainly we saw people going online to find liturgies. Um, the, mass, the Sunday Mass, obviously, big numbers went online for that. But beyond that, we I've heard of people looking up prayers online in a new way. For instance, because of the covid in some cases, the clergy weren't allowed to go to be with the family or whatever the circumstance might be. And some family members would have gone online looking to see how, for instance, you say the rosary. How, how does the rosary work? Because they wanted to do that for a loved one who was either dying or, or died. Or they were, there's a funeral scenario where they realized we want to do prayers. And of course, we've heard a wonderful example of some of the hospital staff praying with those who are dying or praying with the seriously ill. So in a way, what I want to say is that, you know, there was a cartoon somebody sent me, which I liked. It was kind of a, a cartoon of this kind of imaginary conversation between devil, the devil and God. And the devil saying to God, look, I managed to close down all your churches. But God responding, saying, I don't worry. Look how many churches have opened up in families. And I think there is something in that, that some families at least, gained a new sense that we are church and not just church by, because we say prayers, church because the way we are with one another, the way we try to support and help each other, the, ultimately the new commandment, the way we love one another, that has been an important, I think, learning. More broadly speaking in the culture, um, I think too there's a sense from a Christian faith point of view of admiring how much our Lord's words, uh, do unto your neighbour as you would like done unto you. Love your neighbour as yourself. What has been put into practice by a lot of people, uh, obviously the hospital uh, staff, the healthcare staff in general, not just hospital, but in general across the board, have been exercising what we would call the baptismal priesthood in their ministry, in their lives, in their work. And I think that's perhaps something we need to appreciate more, that 
the church is more than the building and more than the Sunday liturgy. The mm. church is a continuing heartbeat throughout the society of ultimately the presence of Jesus in his new commandment, in his words lived out, and that a lot of people were doing that, perhaps not always fully conscious of it. Pope Francis talks about that in his encyclical and the joy of the gospel, a wonderful document worth, worth reading. He makes that point. He said, look, even though maybe many people aren't coming to church, many people are baptized. And we've got to believe that that baptism is at work in their lives. And I think we saw something of that during the COVID crisis. Mm -hmm. Another learning curve clearly has to be for us as a faith community, the, the, the importance of technology. We saw a lot of priests reinventing themselves as uh, and the pastoral ministry of the telephone, as I call it, or uh, more visibly, Facebook, web cameras, those new means. And I think a rediscovery that, in fact, a lot of people do like to go on those means. And maybe we need to discover in the future, in terms of our own ministry, how they work for us. That mm. would be another, I would say, outcome from this uh, pandemic. There'd be many more. But another one, I think, would be, it strikes me that this COVID crisis has helped us in a way as a diocese look forward a little bit because in a way we got a taste of what it's going to be like in five or six years time mm. because many of our priests over 70 were shielding or cocooning as they say some people don't like that word cocooning but we got a sense of you know what will it be like in five or six seven years time uh we got a sense of how many clergy we have i reckon we'd about 40-ish 40 clergy who had to keep services going at the level of the funerals. Now, primarily, that's all we had in this particular time of the COVID crisis. Uh, clearly, in the future, we will still have the other services, all the sacraments, baptisms, ministries, administration, all those things. So I, it was a bit of an eye opener to us and maybe a help that we need to start really naming this and recognizing that nothing is written in stone, you know, people who might have all their lives long gone to a particular mass or a particular routine, this time around realized they had to change the routine. Either they had to go streaming or they had to go to another event, another way of doing it. Or even now that they're getting back, they may have to go to other churches or there may be, especially with the sacraments, there may be new ways of doing it. Priests had to go to different churches and maybe take funerals in other parishes that they wouldn't normally be in. So that people saw maybe a greater sense of movement between parishes. Mm -hmm. And that's maybe important because I think as we move forward, the pastoral units are going to be terribly important. No isolated parish in the future will have the resources on its own moving mm -hmm. forward. That's my sense of it at the moment. And maybe COVID has shown us a little bit of that. Indeed, trying to take, I suppose, the learning from it all and silver, 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 silver linings from every cloud. Bishop Brendan Lee, thank you so much for joining us this morning on the program. Uh, we have to. I'm afraid we we keep talking, but I'm afraid time is against us. So as we uh, just conclude the second part of the program, we're going to close out with um, a version of "The Lord is My Shepherd." And for listeners that are going to listen to this, I want you to listen to this, and I want you to figure out where you've heard it before, and we'll tell you our, in part three of the program. Bishop Thanks, Brendan, thank you thank so much John. for being on us. Thank you. Bye bye.